Then and Now, Part 3, Painting Helmets on Gasoline Alley. The next post on my blog is from 13 years ago, and it's about working at Corby Concepts, painting helmets on Gasoline Alley in Indianapolis, Indiana. Reading my old post, I feel like I was in the place... I felt like I was in that place, and I feel how far I've come. Here's the text from my post. Clear helmet. Today work was pretty fast-paced. Mike pretty much was not there last week, so I got most of every helmet prepped and ready to paint. Today Mike says to me as I walked in late from my drive across town in the snow that we have to bust ass this week and have a lot of helmets to get out. So I worked on this ugly red helmet sent to us from Chris in Washington. He's a very picky guy, and he made me made Mike redraw the design four times or so. I didn't think Mike was very happy about this. Well, it was not that hard to get the radio undone from the helmet, but the smell from this lid almost floored me. It was like trying to work on a pair of dirty gym socks. Man, I went in the office and got some helmet fresh. I think it was just watered-down Febreze bottle with a race logo strapped on it to earn more money over the price of Febreze. Well, that's what was going on in my head as I sprayed the gym sock of a helmet down with a healthy bath. After taking a smoke break and coming back to check on the smell, if the smell was gone, I decided to go ahead and tape up the helmet. That way the smell would be contained under the green paper and masking tape. Not such an easy task. Oh wait, I'm getting two helmets mixed up. This day I got to work on two old smelly helmets. The other one is a black Simpson. It was old and ratty with chunky metal flake stickers in the shape of flames on the outside. I had to cut the rubber from around the eye port on the bottom of the hel- and on the bottom of the helmet. New helmets are easy as the glue is not set in. I digress. The red helmet was a paint job gone bad. This guy Chris says that he told the colors told them the colors he wanted and the painter, painter added other colors and did not even use the correct red. Well, this did not make my job any easier. When new helmets come in, they are easy. You just take them apart, tape them up, and just a quick once-over with a Scotch-Brite, and you're ready to paint. With the paint job gone bad, you have to go and sand the helmet smooth so that none of the lines from the old paint job show through. This is done with water and 400 grit sandpaper and a whole lot of elbow grease. It takes about 30 minutes to an hour to sand it by smooth by hand. At first, when I started, I could... I would try to sand the helmet as fast as I could, then I would wash it off and look at the spots I missed. This sucked. I would end up having to sand it three or four times. So Mike Corby showed me a pattern that he uses that does not miss any spots. I started using that, and then after a few dozen times, I get into a trance when I sand. I don't think about the helmet, I just feel it. My mind wanders onto thoughts of Julia. A smile comes to my face. I check the helmet with the tips of my fingers, feeling for the smallest of lines that separate the two colors on the helmet. Almost gone, I think to myself as I sand some more, noticing my elbow ache a bit as I reach the sandpaper down into the bucket of water next to the bench. 
The water helps take away any of the material removed by the paper. This keeps the sandpaper clear, clean, and also not dusty when you sand it wet. Well, I was almost done with the stinky red sock of a helmet when Mike asked me if I would clear Tommy Thompson's helmet. I replied, sure. I put down the sandpaper and washed my hands. I've only been working for Mike at Corby Concepts for a few months, and I'm not quite up to par for final clear yet. Mike lets me do the inner coat clear that is four coats of clear that we lay on before the final clear. This helps me, helps give a build of over, build up of over different layers of the paint underneath. I can then go back and wet sand and clear and remove the lines so that it's nice and smooth for when we do the final clear. Mike tells me that we are not getting a full price for this helmet so he said this will be the final clear coat. He said that it can come that he can come in and do the last coat if I want. I was happy about this. It would give me a chance to try to do the clear coat as a final one. My first experience shooting clear for Mike was not a good one. I was quite sick and had been taking Theraflu. Well, to make a long story short, in my stupor I had used reducer instead of hardener. This was on a Friday. When we got back on Monday, the clear was still not hard. Man, was I embarrassed. I finally ended up having to strip the helmet down with thinner, and we had to paint it again. Luckily, it was only blue over white. Anyway, I shot the clear on Tommy Thompson's helmet and used the lower air pressure like the gun recommended. I think it was about to 10 PSI. Well, the gun spray was so fine, but that, with that pressure, you have to go really slow to let the clear build up on the helmet. It was really cool after the first coat tacked up when I sprayed the second and I was not thinking about the gun or the pressure. I was just watching the clear flow from the gun onto the helmet. It was so beautiful. The liquid from the gun atomized and reforming on the helmet. It looked like clear syrup on pancakes. The clear flowed out beautifully and the helmet looked great. Posted December 2004, 13th, by Vincent Strader. Wow, looking back and reading this post after 13 years, it makes me happy I took the time to write my experience that day. I started painting helmets first at Laguna Seca in 1996 when my brother Tommy saw an instructor with a cue ball, and we went, <laughs> which is what we called a blank helmet, and he said, Hey, you gonna get that thing painted? The instructor looked at him with a confused look and said, Why? Tom said, My brother Vincent's an artist. He can paint it. The instructor said, How many helmets have you painted so far? And I said, None yet. He said, Well, come back to me when you have painted some more and I'll think about it. So Tommy and I started telling all the students that came through Skip Barber Racing School, Oh yeah, Tommy and I worked as race car mechanics for the racing school that we painted helmets and that they would like to have a custom paint job for their lid. We are the guys to talk to. So one day a guy came up to me and said, I hear you guys paint race car helmets. I said, well, yes, that's true. Well, 
<laughs> we do as soon as somebody gives us the first helmet to paint. He looked at me with this confused look, and I, and I said, follow me. I led him into the lobby of the racing school, where hanging on the wall is my painting of Sir Jackie Stewart, painted in watercolor in 1991 on illustration board from a photo I took in 1989 at the Monterey Historics. He said, you painted that? I said, yes, and I did not know how to paint with watercolor when I started. He asked how much to paint a helmet. I told him it was $500 to paint it. And he asked, who do I make the check out to? I told him, make it out to 2BP1. 2BP1 is to be position one. This is the no name Tommy and I came up for our helmet painting business. We took the check for $500 and set up a bank account and bought an air compressor and a paint gun and the materials to paint the helmet. We set up a paint booth in the attic of my friend's old house, James Ross Riley III, built in 1897, and used a water bong to pump the air through before exiting the house. This took out the smell and did not alarm anyone that we were painting helmets in a historic district without permission. First time I sprayed the helmet, I screwed it up and had to take all the paint off and do it again. The second time we did it, it came out perfect. We water sanded it and polished it to a glassy perfection. The helmet was an old Ferrari light blue with ghosted checkers. In the Ferrari emblem on the back, we painted in yellow the crest, and we had a Ferrari horse cut out of vinyl to go on it. Somewhere I have a photo of this helmet, and when I dig it up, I will come edit this post and add it to it. The client got his helmet and is super happy with it. We started a new business with the money from that very first job. When it is all said and done, we only made about $10 on that first helmet, but then we were off to the races. We told everyone we were helmet painters until someone made it, tr made it true. That right there is me reading my blog on Steemit, Then and Now, Part 3, Painting Helmets on Gasoline Alley. And it just shows how if you have an idea, you don't need to have the equipment, you don't need to have anything other than the desire to do it. Now, the thing that is not really told in this story that I'm going to add in this audio portion of it through this podcast is that my Tommy and I grew up with my grandfather, Clyde Westmoreland, who had Clyde's auto body in Porterville, California, on 1606 East Success Drive. So I grew up on Success Drive in a little ratty single-wide trailer with my grandpa having an acre or two full of cars. And grew up watching him paint cars. And so when we decided to do this, we said, well, if Grandpa could do it, we could do it. And totally screwed up the first time we tried it. Ended up having to repaint it. But then after that, it came out so beautifully. And then we had a photo to show people. And we could show them, yes, look, here's our first helmet we painted. And then uh, after that, it grew and grew and grew. And uh, the rest of the story, you'll have to stay tuned for as I continue 
onto part four of my Then and Now series, where I go back and look at my blog from 2004? Yeah, <laughs> it was 2004 when I first set up my blog. Here it is 13 years later, and I'm blogging on this beautiful platform called Steemit. And the difference is, this blog is on a blockchain. And this blog, as I share these different things, earns me cryptocurrency. So, as you go and read this, and you upvote it, and you retweet it, or share it, or whatever, a little portion of those rewards goes to me. But here's the beauty of it. You can come and engage, and share your thoughts and ideas about this, and I can upvote your comment so that the comments themselves earn cryptocurrency. In my original post on this, it's only been read a few times, and I never earned a penny on it, never expected to earn a penny on it, but I'm so grateful that I recorded that time back then so that I could have something to look back on. And now, posting this, creating this audio, creating this blog post, creating all this together, gives me something a little more multimedia in the future. I also added a part four up on my uh, Steemit account where I show... Actually, I posted my very first video today. Uh, it was my original video from my YouTube channel in 2006 of my very first drawing commission. I think I charged like $300 and it cut, took me like 35 hours or something to do. Um, but I just recently posted it today to DTube, and uh, so I'm I'm really grateful for that. So thank you again for listening to my words, and I will bring you more of this then and now, a retrospective of my blog and my life in this digital fast lane. Ciao for now. This is Alistic Artist right here on Anchor.fm. And also at steamit.com forward slash at aloistic artist. And that's steam. Like, I have high self esteem. Bye bye.